you know what a gift it is to do work that you love to do, to get paid for using your talents and abilities, to not just earn a living, but contribute something meaningful to the world. When we spend so much of our lives at our workplace, it only makes sense that we try and do this, that we try and find a career that is personally fulfilling. Hello, Sheridan Voisey here with a micro edition of the More Than This podcast. I I really believe this to be true. I really do. But at the same time, I'm starting to see that everything I've just said might have gotten a little unbalanced. The problem is, for many of us today, work has become the primary way we seek personal meaning and significance. The plain fact is, though, that can leave us vulnerable. As I shared on BBC Radio 2's Pause for Thought segment recently, we need to learn a lesson from previous generations on this very topic. For them, work was very important, but it wasn't their main source of fulfilment at all. They found their fulfilment in something else. Take a listen, then join me at SheridanVoisey.com for a conversation about this. It's time for Pause for Thought. Actually, he's been giving me a few thoughts. He's only been here a couple of minutes. <laughs> and that is the writer and broadcaster Sheridan Voisey. So nice to see oh, you. you. Welcome. Too. You too. He's just given me a whole lecture on the joys of solitude, which yeah. I absolutely detest. I can't oh, bear being look, on my well, own. If you're but... going to really struggle with one day without people, Vanessa, we have to do something like this. I am going to struggle. I don't like one hour. <laughs> I like a little companion to chat to and, you know, hang you're out with. I don't personable. like to be by myself. Oh, but solitude can be so good. It can teach you the value of people, the value of the things around you. (laughs) I think just always have a whole load of people that you can say, oh, look, isn't it nice? Oh, that's fun too. That's fun too. look, look at that. Nothing much is happening. Let's chat. That's what I like to do. But anyway. Some of the great great spiritual masters would say you retreat in order to be more fully present to people when you come back with them. Uh, See? There you go. Okay. Lucky we're not talking about that today. Thank goodness. (laughs) We're talking about under pressure and particularly the pressure of exams has been the overwhelming thing. Well, indeed. And so much pressure, isn't it? there in so many ways I think after a week like this so many people are going to be jumping into fiction just as a bit of escape that might be something you can do on, on your day that is, by some, yourself. That is That's what I will do, do. Yeah, yeah. Dorothy Sayers great fiction writer uh, best remembered for her crime novels starring the amateur sleuth Lord Peter Whimsey she was also though something of a philosopher sorry I'm taking us back into the deep and meaningful aren't I again but she, I read a I read an essay of hers some years ago which really really impacted me it was called Why Work and her main point in that essay was this she said we should live to work not work to live and by that she meant we should expect more from our jobs than a pay packet work isn't just about putting food on the table it's not just funding the occasional holiday it's about expressing our talents and contributing to the world we should find good work to do she said work we're gifted for and put our heart and soul into it this will do two things she said it would bring personal fulfillment and it will improve society she even dreamt of the day that strikes were held over not just pay and conditions but the beauty of a company's products can you imagine that we're striking today because our widgets aren't pretty enough. So for Sayers, work is an essential, maybe even the essential part of our lives. It's what gives us meaning and significance. And reading her words in my 20s, I too wanted to find work worth living for. Now, 20 years later, that essay still remains a favourite essay of mine, but I realise now it has its weaknesses. Simply put, If work is an essential part of our lives, you have to ask the question, well, what about the elderly? What about the chronically ill? What about children? Surely their lives are significant even though they can't work. And many people don't get the option of finding work that fits their gifts. They're on the poverty line. They've got families to feed. They have to work to live. It was another writer named Gilbert Mylander who pointed out a further problem to me. The live-to-work mantra, he says, is bound to disappoint us because work was never meant to be a means of personal fulfilment. 
And we're so used to the idea that, you know, we get good work to be fulfilled by. He says previous generations never saw it that way. They saw work primarily as a way to support yourself and then to serve your neighbour. A sense of meaning or significance that came from it was a happy byproduct of your work. It wasn't the focus of it. They sought fulfilment in things like faith and friendship. So I think it could be really helpful to remember these kinds of things as our students sit their GCSEs and other exams, some of them right now feeling so worried that if they don't do well, they might miss that place at uni, miss that dream career, and then miss that fulfilling life. And I think we too can put ourselves under immense pressure by basing our whole sense of significance and value on our job title alone. Maybe those previous generations had something right. We find our fulfilment best in faith and friendship, in being loved by God, in being loved by others. And those two things are available to everyone, whatever our grades and whatever our job title.